Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello again. We're talking about the kingdom of God. This was the message that Jesus preached. John the Baptist preached it. The disciples preached it. When Jesus sent out the 70 evangelists, he told them to preach about the kingdom of God. In the book of Acts, they spoke about the kingdom of God. It is the message, the gospel that we need to preach to the whole world, Matthew 24, 14 says, and then the end will come. The kingdom of God. It's a message that wasn't mentioned in the Old Testament. Jesus said that in the Old Testament, the law and the prophets were what was preached. But since John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been preached. And it's advancing since John the Baptist. And violent men take hold of it because it's, it's a warfare kingdom. But today I want to talk about why it's an impossible kingdom. You know, almost all of Jesus's parables were about the kingdom of God. And Matthew chapter 5, the the famous chapter, the Sermon on the Mount, it starts in Matthew 5, then Matthew 6 and Matthew 7. But in Matthew 5, he talks about an impossible kingdom. He is basically saying it is impossible for you, human being, to enter the kingdom of God without a miracle. Now, why is this important? Because, my dear friend, it is impossible for us as humans to try to earn our way into heaven. And yet many, many, many of us do. And even Christians who say that they understand that we're saved by grace alone, even genuine Christians who have received grace, we slip back into this trap of thinking that I can somehow earn the kingdom. Imagine you were offered a gift that was reasonably valuable. Imagine somebody came to you and said, I want to give you uh, whatever it is, a, a nice new TV set. You would feel beholden to that person. You would feel you have to give them something back or, you know, there's some kind of quid pro quo where you have to earn it in some way, or you owe them one. But if the value of the gift is sufficiently high, if a person says to you, I want to give you the most expensive sports car in the world, or I want to pay for you for the rest of your life for all your living expenses, whatever it is, if the value of the gift is so high, you realize there's no way you could ever earn it. You could ever pay it back. And that is the message of the gospel. And if we don't understand that, we slip into legalism. And in Galatians chapter 5, Paul warns a group of Christians in Galatia that because they've slipped back into thinking they can earn God's blessing or God's favor or God's forgiveness, because they'd slipped into thinking they could do something to earn their salvation, he said that Christ could profit you nothing. Wow, what a terrible warning. He said that they could have fallen away from grace. Um, It's just the most awful warning. And so we need to understand that this kingdom is an impossible kingdom. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 50 says, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And the corruption of this earth cannot earn or inherit the incorruptible kingdom of God. Jesus in John 18, when he was being questioned by Governor Pilate, Pilate said, are you a king? He said, my kingdom is not of this world. In John chapter 3, Jesus said, you must be born again of the spirit to enter the kingdom. 
And today I want to go through the verses in Matthew 5. Just to try and make you understand, my dear friend, I have a purpose today to make you understand that you cannot, cannot, cannot earn heaven, the blessings of God, the kingdom of God. It's a miraculous gift. You say, Greg, why? Why do I need to understand this? Because the Bible says God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Whenever Jesus came across someone who realized they needed help, he said, I've come as a physician to those who realize they're sick. Those who think they're healthy don't need a doctor, and so they don't receive my forgiveness. I've got to come not with a, a terrible inferiority complex, but an understanding that I cannot get into heaven by anything I do. It doesn't matter how good I am. It doesn't matter how good my parents or my family have been. It doesn't matter how good other people think I am. It's all about a gift of grace. And we must understand that. God gives grace, grace, grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. So in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, um, well, the last, the last verse of Matthew 5 says this. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Therefore, he's, he's saying because of everything I've said, and for most of the chapter before that, he has been trying to make people understand that they cannot get into the kingdom of heaven on their own. You see, the Jewish race and the religion said that you could earn God's favor. If you do these things, you will be blessed. Or, and if you don't do those things, you will be cursed. And so there was this scales mentality. Let me try and earn. Let me be good enough. Let me get into heaven by obeying a set of rules or regulations. So let me go back to the, the start. Matthew 15, sorry, Matthew 5 verse 19. He says, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now that verse is amazing in itself, and I'll come back to that at the end. But then he said, for I say to you, and now this is where Jesus is trying to convince people that they cannot get to heaven on their own. He says, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, that was a startling thing to say, because in the Jewish system of, of doing good and earning favor, the scribes and the Pharisees were right at the top. They kept every single rule. They fasted often. They gave a tenth of everything, even things they didn't really need to give a tenth of, even the little herbs growing in their gardens. Uh, they kept all the rules religiously. They, they would even add rules to the rules to make sure that they kept the rules religiously. The, the Old Testament said, you shall do no work on the Sabbath. They added a whole lot of rules saying what work was so that it made it even more difficult to keep. And they kept all those rules. Externally, they kept them. But Jesus later in the gospel says to them, you keep the rules externally, but inside your heart is wicked. And Jesus says that unless our righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. 
The verse I read at the end of Matthew 5 says, you have to be perfect just as your heavenly father is perfect to get into the kingdom of heaven. And then just in case people were confused, Jesus went through a list of the Old Testament rules and he showed that it's not just what you do on the outside, but your heart motive has to be pure for you to be perfect. Now, why was Jesus saying this? Let me just tell you a few of the things he said. He said, you've heard it said you shall not murder, but I say, if you're angry, you have committed murder. You've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. I say, if you lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. And he goes through all these rules and he says, you might think you're righteous, but he's pressing the point home to say, no, look deeper. You are not keeping all these rules. Now, there are two options here. Why was Jesus doing this? Some people have fallen into the error of thinking that Jesus was saying, try harder, try harder, be better, do more. Yes, you can in your own strength be better. You can avoid all these sins in your own strength. But that's not what Jesus was doing. He was a doctor showing a diagnosis of sick so that the patient would take the medicine, which is Jesus' forgiveness. Let me read you another verse, which has the same effect. In Matthew 19, 24, it says, Jesus speaking says, Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. It is easier for a camel <laughs> to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, again, we've got two options here. We say, well, what is Jesus saying? Do I need to get rid of all my wealth? Do I need to shrink my wealth to the size of the eye of a needle to get through? Um, what is he saying? Try harder, be better. The disciples in verse 25 heard it and they were greatly astonished saying, who then can be saved? Because they realized it's not possible for a person to, for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle, for a person to be so self-sacrificing that they can do this. And Jesus answered and said to them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And suddenly we see what Jesus was trying to say to them. And the important message that you and I must understand to become a Christian, but also keep understanding and keep remembering throughout our Christian life. Friend, you cannot be good enough. You might have started your Christian life thinking, I need salvation, I need forgiveness. But after a few weeks, months or years, you might have thought, I've cleaned myself up now. I am now starting to earn and be good enough for God. And he says, Jesus says, Paul says, it says again and again throughout the New Testament, we must never forget it is an impossible kingdom. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 2 says the, the things of the spirit are spiritually discerned. They cannot be understood by fleshly man. There's a, a doctrine that started around the time of the Reformation and Calvin and Calvinists started to teach it called total depravity of man. And the, the idea of it is that as humans, without God's grace, without God's intervention, without God giving us something, we can never reach out to God. 
We can not ask God for help. We can't respond to God. We are totally unable to, to even reach for God or want God. And I'm going to read you just a few verses about that. And then I'm going to show you what Jesus said is the solution. So listen to these verses. Psalm 10 verse 4. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. That's you and I, friend. You and I were there. And if God were to take away his grace, his ability, his favor, his help, we would be back in that position. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. You might think you sought God, but it was because he made the first move. You cannot seek him. God is in none of your thoughts without him making the first move. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Flesh and blood, 1 Corinthians 15 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And John chapter 6 verse 44, Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. Listen to that verse. Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. Friend, if it wasn't for God making the first move, we could not have approached God. We couldn't have heard of God. We couldn't have understood that we needed him. We couldn't have cried out to him. There are so many verses. Uh, let me read you just another little passage to prove this. Ephesians 2 verses 2 onwards. Uh, he talks about the way we once walked before we were Christians, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. He says, we and everyone who doesn't know Christ is following the spirit of the enemy. Verse 3, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. He says, everyone who doesn't know God yet is by nature a child of wrath. We deserve anger and punishment, and it's in our nature. We can't reach God. He goes on to say, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, before I finish with Jesus's solution, I just want to address a point here. The Calvin followers who taught total depravity then went on to make a few logical assumptions from that. They said, if um, God is going to save you, you can't do it yourself, therefore God must just choose some people to be saved and others he chooses not to be saved. And if God wants to save you, you're going to get saved whether you want it or not. Those were the conclusions they drew. But actually the Bible says, even though you can't come to Jesus unless God draws you, in John 12 verse 32, Jesus says, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So God draws all of us, all human beings. In Titus, it says the grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men. God has given this grace, this drawing, this favor. Every single human, even those in far-flung countries who haven't heard the gospel, have felt the drawing of God's Spirit 
and God gives each one of us an opportunity to respond. Now, some do, and they are saved, and some don't, and they're not. But the point that I wanted to make today is for us not to get proud and think that we chose God. He made the first move, my dear friend. If it wasn't for him, we were dead in our trespasses. And he came. He stirred something within us. He drew us. He wooed us. He, he showed us his love. And some of us responded and some of us didn't. And I want to say to you, if you're listening to me today, you can still respond. Until the very last moment of your life, you have the opportunity to say, yes, God, please forgive me. So what is the solution? In John chapter 3, I've mentioned this before, but I'm just going to mention it again. A man called Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he's asking questions, but Jesus gets right to the heart of the issue. He says, unless a person is born again a second time by the Spirit, the first time you were born in a fleshly way as a human being, but you need the Holy Spirit to rebirth your spirit on the inside. And unless a person is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said the rich, for rich people, it's impossible for them to get into the kingdom of God, but it is possible for God to do a miracle. In Matthew 5, he says, your righteousness has to be perfect for you to enter. But let me just mention that verse from Matthew 5 again that I said I would go back to. In Matthew 5, 19, he says, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, there is a very obvious conflict there. Jesus says, on the one hand, you have to have perfect righteousness to enter the kingdom of heaven, and you have to be perfect like your father to enter the kingdom of heaven. But then in this verse, he says, if you break commandments... You are least in the kingdom of heaven. You're in the kingdom of heaven, but you're breaking commandments. On this hand, he says you have to be perfect to enter. On this hand, he says if you break commandments, you're in it, but you're least in it. How do those two go together? Friend, the answer is this. Please hear me. We enter the kingdom of heaven not by earning it, not by being good, not by deserving it, not by being perfect in our own fleshly ability, not by keeping rules, not by being part of a denomination, not by being part of a family or a nation. We enter the kingdom of heaven by grace where God gives us a gift, a free gift. He says, here we go. Jesus died for you as a free gift, the most expensive, valuable gift in the world. You could never earn it. You just have to say yes, please, and receive it. Once we're in the kingdom of heaven, we stay there not by being good. God changes us and we become more and more like he wants us to be. But he says, you can break the commandments and be called least in the kingdom of heaven. It's possible for us to be in the kingdom of heaven and still be breaking commandments. But we want to grow and become more like Jesus, not to earn favor or blessing or salvation, but just because our Savior puts that desire within us. And now let me go back to John chapter 3. Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. He says in verse 14, just after he said, you must be born again. He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish, 
but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then in John 5 verse 24, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. He shall not come into judgment. He has passed from death into life. Jesus used an illustration from an Old Testament story. In Numbers 21, there were serpents, snakes in the camp of Israel. They were biting people because the people had rebelled against God. And God told Moses to make an image, a cast statue of one of those snakes out of bronze and hold it up high on a stick. And when people who had been bitten by the snake looked at the statue, they were healed. And Jesus said, I am like that. Sin is like a snake that has bitten everyone on the planet. Everyone is going to die. But I will become like that sin, even though Jesus was sinless. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus said, I will die on a cross as if I had sinned and take the sin of the whole world. And as that image is lifted up, anyone who looks at that is saved. You remember I, I read you that verse from John 12 verse 32. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Jesus was lifted up on the cross like a snake to pay for our sickness. He had no sin in himself. He was not sick, but he died for us. And as we look at him, we are healed. My friend, this is probably the most important message you could ever hear as a Christian. The kingdom of God is an impossible kingdom. You cannot earn it. You cannot enter it by your own cleverness, your own goodness, your own efforts. It is impossible to pay for it. And even after you have become a Christian, you can't earn God's blessings after that. It is always by grace. It is always a gift of God. And even that ability to turn to Him, even that desire within you to want Him, to feel Him drawing you, that comes from God. That was a gift because we are alienated from Him. And that gives me such great comfort because when I was dead, when I was an enemy of God, when I was dead in my spirit and I was far away from God, He drew me and He loved me and He brought me into His kingdom. And He is going to hold me and keep me safe. I would like you to pray a prayer with me right now. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Lord, you said that if people look at you being lifted up, they will be healed. If they believe in you, they will be saved. They will be made new in their spirits. Lord Jesus, I see you dying there on that cross for me. I see your arms stretched out. I see the wounds on your body your shoulders, your face, your head, the crown of thorns. Lord, I see the, the spear being plunged into your side. I see the nails in your hands and feet. I see the suffering that you went through. And I see you giving up your spirit and saying, it is finished. It is done. Lord Jesus, I see you in the grave and then rising again to life and rising up to heaven. And I say thank you that you paid the price. The price you paid was enough for me to be forgiven. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins, but I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for making my spirit new. Thank you that I can enter the kingdom of God by a miracle of you making me new on the inside. 
And Lord, I am sorry if I have known that before, but I've now slipped back into trying to earn your favor, trying to be good enough, trying to think that I could be better than other people or other Christians or think that you owe me something. Lord, I, I apologize and I ask you to forgive me and to put me back in a place of childlike grace and faith, saying thank you for your free gift. Lord, I thank you that you saved me when I was far and you keep me when I'm near and you will never let me go. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, please let us know. LeadingLightsNetwork.com is the name of our website. Let us know if you've prayed that prayer. We would love to help you, to walk with you through this, but also to get you into a small group. If you're in a church or there's a church near you, find a good Bible-believing church. But if you want to start something, a small prayer meeting, perhaps a Bible study, an Alpha course, or something like that, we would love to help you. Leading Lights Network is leaders from around the world who have started ministries, churches, different types of ministry. And we want to give you the help. We want to give you resources. We want to blow wind into your sails and help you do something. You know, you can do something great for God. You can be a shining light in your community where you live. You might say, I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified enough. And that is right. You don't deserve it. But God wants to use you. The Bible tells us that we are all ministers. We all have a ministry and we can all do something for God. And God wants to use you to shine his light in your community. Get in touch with us. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.